Welcome to the Gautrain Talks podcast station, the place to be for all matters related to the Gautrain and how it came to be South Africa's first ever high-speed commuter rail system. I'm Dylan Rogers. In studio today, Marius van der Veste is in Senior Associate Engineering at Gibb, a leading multidisciplinary engineering consulting firm based in South Africa. Marius is a civil engineer with 22 years' experience in railway construction and maintenance and nine years' experience in project management along with 10 years in senior business management and six years in the management of a public-private partnership concession. Marius, welcome. Let's start with how you came to be involved in the Gautrain project. Okay, I haven't been, I've been with, with railways for many years, as you, as you mentioned. Uh, a colleague of mine phoned me because I had my own business going and so forth, and he phoned me and said, don't you want to be part of a Gautrain project, railway project, and so forth, and being the biggest part of my life, being a railway engineer, I said, yes, why not? And uh, eventually I was interviewed and so forth, and uh, I was taken on to the project. At the start, did you have any idea of the scale of the project and where you would be here many years later? No idea. At that stage, I started on the project, and I just realized as start working and so forth, this job is just going bigger and bigger and, is, and uh, being a mega project. Let's fast forward now to, to when you actually took up a position on the provincial support team. What was the thinking behind the decision to construct a precast construction yard? Now, if I can give you a step back, uh, with the consortium, they had to decide, okay, what what's there that you can use uh, uh, for, uh, in a project like this? Now, first of all, if you think in terms of the design they decided on that there will be a certain design, standards and, and look and feel. If you look at the station today, uh, the, the support structure that's holding the roof looks like trees. Therefore, there was a certain standard. The same with uh, the, 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 the tunnel sections, the viaduct sections. All of that looks the same. It's the look and feel. And that gives you the opportunity to actually make use of a precast yard because you can cast everything uh, different lengths and so forth, but it looks the, exactly the same. Therefore, you're saving on shutters and all of that type of thing, you, you're saved. There's a, consist- there's a consistency there. Very much a consistency and a very repetitive. From on, uh, on the other angle, okay, we, there was quite a lot of tunneling and so forth to be done, and... They've tested the rock and they, th- they saw that the rock can actually be used as part of the concrete mixes and not procuring rock from other quarries and so forth only like they procure the sand and so forth, but yes, uh, using the rock. Therefore, there was also a mobile shutter just outside the tunnel area where they've crushed the stone so it can be used at the precast yard. Therefore, there's a lot of advantages in that. They ordered bulk cement, uh, and not bags of cement. All of those uh, opportunities, actually, you're cutting on the costs, there's savings, and you can actually manage the process from a production side. Therefore, if you got, you're building bridges and you're using, we, we used uh, M-beams, uh, you can manage the process. Because there was the opportunity to go out to, say, other precast yards that were there already and say, but you manufacture stuff for us. But then you haven't got control over the process. And here, as you, with a big project, you've got to chop and change to suit the situations and so forth and uh, the construction process. Therefore, you actually manage that whole process. And that was the opportunity 
to do this. And of course, uh, the consortium did their sums because uh, there was the biggest precast yard in Africa that they've created with automatic batch plants and so forth. And they said, when it's finished, then they will sell the rest. And from the, the, the costing they did, it was worthwhile for them to, to go to a precast yard. And effectively, a precast yard is construction, constructing various elements within the project off-site effectively and not in situ, and then implementing them into, or inserting them into the project. Am I right? That's correct, yeah. You're constructing it there, and the way you're constructing it is so it can be installed on site very easily. Like uh, if you think, think in terms of bridges, therefore you'll cast the M-beams, uh, the so the, the support columns you will build on site and then you bring in the M-beams by uh, low beds and so forth. The same applies for the viaducts where the sections was cast uh, in the in the precast yard and so forth. And you can manage it. You can manage the temperatures. You can manage the uh, – you actually uh, – People specialize. You bring in people, they specialize in whatever they do, whether they put in the steel into the frames, uh, in, into the shutters. Everybody is specializing, and the, the, the repetitiveness of this makes that they're doing it quicker and better and so forth. That's where the savings uh, come in as well. And you're less susceptible to things like weather conditions as well. Very right? much so. Very much so, yeah. Uh, because uh, a lot of uh, the casting does happen undercover because there's uh, roof structures built and you have cranes that you can get, take the, the various elements out and stack it and so it can cure because when you do concrete work, you cast it and so forth and then you have to let it cure because concrete takes 28 days to cure. And on this project, because there was these time limits and they had to get the job done quickly, they also use additives that they add to the cement to actually get almost like a rapid hardening cement. Therefore, when they cast like a, a viaduct segment, uh, they Got to get the strength up quick enough because the viaduct segment weighs more than 55 tons. Therefore, after two, three days, they actually take it out of the shutter and then uh, store it in the area so that it can reach the full strength, concrete strength, and then they can carry on with the rest uh, of, of the segments. If you don't do that, then you'll have to have a lot of, uh, of uh, shutters, uh, and, and then it's, not, it's becoming too costly. Would you say that the greatest advantage, though, of a precast yard on a mega project such as the Gautram project is the control from a time and a cost efficiency point of view? Very much, yeah. Time, control, and you must have the right people there as well uh, that has done it before. And the beauty of the, the guy that's managing from the civil joint venture side, he's got years of experience of precast yards, and that made it also a great success. We're still talking to Marius van der and talking about the precast construction yard process on the Gautrain project. Marius, which segments exactly? You've mentioned some of them already, M-beams, viaducts, etc. Can you just detail exactly which elements were precast in the construction yard for the Gautrain project? Okay, there were quite a lot, I think 12 around about. Uh, but uh, the biggest numbers were basically the viaduct uh, sections, that was uh, 2.5 meters wide uh, that was costed. And there was 3,218 cost uh, during the period. And then were the M-beams. Now, M-beam is just the, uh, the word comes from motorway. Uh, that's what the M-beam stands for. And in the precast yard, you could cast different lengths. 
depending what's required, what span you have to do where, you, where the bridges are built. And that's it's almost uh, was 30 kilometers of M-beams that, uh, in length that was casted. And uh, for the 37 bridges that, uh, that was covered uh, on the train, And then tunnel walkways. In the tunnel, there's walkways on the sides, and those were also casted. Uh, just short of, of 2,000, 1,782. The bridge panels, therefore, when you erect a bridge, uh, the road bridge and so forth, there's panels on the side. Uh, 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 between the, the M-beam and so forth, there's, there's panels. And there were four th- over 4,000 of those uh, casted. And then the parapets to the bridges, they were also at the station parapets on the sides. There were f- just short of 6,000 of those parapets. And then, of course, station struts that uh, was developed uh, was over just over 200. Th- those were the main uh, pre-cost stuff that was, was casted. And then was other small things that uh, they also have, uh, had to do. Now, when you cast these things, you cast it in line with how the project is running. Therefore, you know that breach number one and viaduct number two and so forth, that's the way it's going to be done. But if there's a problem on site, you have to change your program. And that's what happened, and it's a normal process. It did happen. Therefore, it meant that certain sections uh, that was cast had to be stored longer than it should have been. And that created a situation where the precast yard was too small, and they had to obtain more land to actually keep these segments longer because if you think in terms of a viaduct segment, it's cast for a specific span, a specific element in that span. That's how it costs because they cast them. Uh, you cast the first one and then the second one you cast against that one because when it goes onto the viaduct, it's actually get glued together before you do the, the post-stress uh, process after that. Therefore, it's got to be spot on uh, uh, when you cast them together. Now, now the mon- numbers you mentioned, Marius, are, are outstanding. I mean, impressive numbers in terms of how much was precast in this in, in the cons- precast construction yard. At the time, you mentioned was it the, the largest precast construction yard in Africa? Was the largest precast yard in in Africa? Yes. And just how prevalent were precast construction yards at the time that you were doing this? Was it a, a, a an initiative that was used on many big projects, or was it sort of was it a new venture? Now, precast yards, you know, it's it's a known, uh, but at the scale it was done here, we haven't seen that before. Now, in a precast yard here, when they start doing it, the start off thing normally takes longer, and this has happened in this case here as well. They've planned it to start having segments finished at a certain time, and it wasn't. Uh, Therefore, we call it the start-up time. It took much longer. And the interesting thing is when they cast the viaduct section, to just get the steel uh, binded together to go into the shutter was a major problem because they had to teach, they had to create uh, frames so that the steel can be uh, put together, then go into the shutter. And I can remember still today that first two, three uh, segments that we've cast 
there was a lot of honeycombing. Now, honeycombing is when the concrete didn't flow all over. Then you, it looks like a honeycomb where there certainly there was no, no concrete. And there was quite a number of those segments that had to be repaired and some had to be demolished and so forth because we, they couldn't get the concrete in. Therefore, they had to look at the design mix again. They had to look at the size of the concrete stone uh, and so forth so that it can flow in all the areas uh, so you can get a solid section. Uh, segment. Therefore, there was uh, quite a lot of challenges in this whole process, and uh, that was that made it worthwhile actually to be there to see how we actually uh, overcome all those challenges. What else was a challenge at the time? Was that one of the major challenges you faced? Were there others that come to mind? Uh, the other challenge was also the M beams uh, to get them going uh, to make sure that they have the correct strength because. Uh, as part of a precast yard, there's also a batch plant, and it was an automatic batch plant to get the scales working, to get your concrete mixes ready, and so forth, to get the correct strength at a certain time, so you can take the the, the segments out of the shutters and so forth. Therefore, those were the challenges. And uh, this batch plant, you know, they could cost 120. Uh, it was a design for 160 maximum per hour cubic meters of concrete but the average was running at 120 and that's a lot of concrete to be cast in an hour and the interesting thing is at that stage uh, you know the the industry uh, construction industry was at the hype and we were running short of getting uh, cement the bulk cement and i can remember where at one stage we had to wait for the cement to cool down from the kilns because the, the cement was so hot coming from the kilns that we couldn't use it at that stage. Therefore, those are the interesting things that happened uh, in this whole process. Uh, and it's not just looking back and say, okay, there was a precast job because so many things. But there was a huge learning curve, and you have to manage all of this. And something that comes to mind now is also with the stone that came out of the tunnels. They crushed it. But when they do the blasting in the tunnels, you get some of their blasting uh, stuff, cables and stuff comes out of it. Therefore, they had to clean. They had to go for the, through a specific, a specific cleaning, a screening process to make sure there's no other uh, paper or whatever in that stone because that affects the concrete. That's a lot of lessons on the job that you had to learn. Very much, yeah. But whilst you're there and you're interested in the job and you see what's happening, that's what the function of the engineer is, to be there to make sure that the quality standards and they abide by the, uh, the design standards and so forth. Looking back now so many years later, what are the greatest learnings about the, the construction of a, of a precast construction yard? Well, the greatest learning is that on a project like this, it's almost like a must that you must have it because you manage the total process and you can adjust to suit you. Because if it's uh, if you use a, a precast yard, outside precast yard, you know, it's different, difficult because they get instruction to do certain things and then they've got to chop and change and they don't like that. Therefore, I think it's very important to have that. Another lesson that I've learned is, okay, we had now the monthly meetings and so forth with it, and we were there on the day, every day looking at how they're going about and so forth. They must be what we call a hospital area. Now, the hospital areas, when you take a segment or whatever portion that you've cast out, 
there might be spots and areas that you have to do a little bit of repair work, and we called that the hospital. Therefore, that was something new to me, that you had to have a hospital area. And the biggest lesson possibly was that as part of the management of the process, we insisted that we want to know uh, how many sections were cast, for which viaduct, for which breach, for whatever, and when was it cast, when did it go out to site, and that information that we got, we didn't realize at the time when we said we want all that information. But when we, after the project, when we were getting claims coming up, that information was very handy because no segment will go out to site if the site is not ready because they haven't got space on the site. Therefore, that information helped us a lot to actually understand where the delays happened and so forth because when the construction happened, we weren't always informed why they did certain things and why did they start in a different area, not what was actually planned. Tell me, Marius, whatever happened to that precast construction yard? Well, the precast construction yard, of course, was uh, removed eventually, was sold, all the equipment was sold, and eventually the, the bus depot, the existing bus depot, was built on that site. Therefore, it was critical for them to get going and uh, have to finish the, the, the precast work so that the bus depot could be built because... You know, as when this, the, the, the project started running, uh, the trains were running, the bus depot had to be completed. Again, the timing was an issue. Deadlines had to be met. Very much, very much. And uh, one of the things that we from the engineering side were looking all the time and asking the questions, but listen, you're running behind schedule, running behind schedule. Therefore, the consortium had to create more uh, areas where they could construct, uh, whether it was viaducts or segments and so forth, uh, to actually do it quicker. Therefore, for the viaduct segments, they had to create a new, two new uh, additional areas where they could cast because they were running behind schedule. And that, of course, uh, if you're running behind schedule at your own cost, you have to create that facilities to, to get on time. Marius, thank you for your time. We value your input. Any parting shots or additional learnings you'd like to share as they relate to the, the precast construction yard? Well, for me, it was the first time that I actually had the opportunity to oversee a precast yard, and it was a wonderful experience, and I've learned a lot of lessons out of this and, and can share it today. You've been listening to Marius van der Vestazen, Senior Associate Engineering at Gibb. He's been providing us with insight into the Provincial Construction Assurance Management on the Gautrain project and specifically the Precast Construction Yard. To listen to this and other interviews about the Gautrain, please tune in to our podcast at Gautrain Talk Station. You can also access further material on our website, www.gautrain.co.za, or follow us on Twitter. 